Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. Today, I have Tracy McBeath with us. Now, Tracy is a mum, wife, coach, mentor, personal trainer, author, TEDx speaker, podcaster, and friend. Now, Tracy is Melbourne-based, and she is a mum to five kids aged from 21 to eight years. Now, after doing a Bachelor of Arts degree majoring in teaching when she finished school, she ended up working in human resources until she had a first of five kids. Now, around the age of 30, she was ready for a career change and became a qualified personal trainer. Then a few years ago, she moved into health coaching, and this is where her passion and purpose really lives. Now, helping people see that they have the capacity within to live the life they want to live. Now, this is the story we're going to get into our podcast, because by the time she hit 40, it was clear that she had to change a few things when it came to health. And she was struggling to lose 15 kilos that she had gained after baby number four. And she was also close to becoming pre-diabetic and had fatty liver. So this is what we're going to get into how at the age of 50, she's the leanest, healthiest and happiest she's ever been. So Tracy, welcome. Thank you so much. It's always so bizarre when I hear people read, you know, <laughs> like, really? Is that me? Is that me? But <laughs> thanks for having me. It's such, such a pleasure to be here. And hopefully we can share some insights on how, you know, uh, people can really, I guess, change their path and really see that it's not set necessarily in stone in the way they think it is. So Amazing. So I always say, like at the start, it's really interesting how the number of female patients that come to me in their 40s going, gain some weight, but does that happen anyway? Almost a helpless state and almost like resorting to, but that's aging. Yeah. I expect it and I can't do anything about it. So I really want to hone in on that and saying, no, it's not natural. No, it's not normal. There's so much we can do. And often they feel almost lost in their journey because that's what they're hearing and that's what they're seeing. And I'm really inspired by your story, Tracy, and I think so many people need to hear it. So I'd love to dive into that. And I'd love to know, you know, what was the tipping point where you go, this is not right. I'm not going to accept these kind of values. I'm not going to accept pre-diabetes and I can do something about it. Yes. I mean, that was 10 years ago now, and it has obviously transformed my life. And I, I think, first of all, it's so innocent to sort of think that that it is normal. You know, we see it everywhere. We we get older, you know, people think 40 is old and they start gaining weight and everything start, stops working, you know, as it has been. And, you know, we try to do the things that we're told. We try to do the things that we think are right. But, you know, even what used to work maybe 10 years before that stops working, you know, the classic, you know, dieting that I was on for years and, you know, eat less, move more type stuff. Everything just kind of stops working around 40. And I think I was actually really fortunate to get a diagnosis because it did wake me up a little bit. You know, I was a personal trainer and I was I was at the time I had had my fourth baby and I was I was about 18 kilos heavier than I am now. I think what the diagnosis did was just shake me out of that continuing down the same path. It's so innocent. I think that's what we do. We kind of stuck on this tunnel vision or this sort of one trick pony that this is all I know and we don't stop and consider well actually I need to maybe I need to turn in a totally different direction and I need to just completely 
change what I'm doing. And that's what that diagnosis did. And, and I remember clearly, you know, after I sort of got over the shock, like how can this be because I'm a personal trainer and, you know, I'm overweight but I'm still pretty fit and apart from, you know, a bit of dependency on on alcohol and crappy sweet stuff, I did overall think I was eating pretty right. I was eating the, the guidelines and, and all that stuff. So I kind of got that over that shock. I realized that I did have a choice that I was actually being given this choice. Well, you know, you can either, I guess, you know, in a way, bury your head in the sand, which is which is innocent. Like I can just sort of lie back and become a victim, I guess, of the path and just continue on that journey. And yeah, it's just how it's meant to be. You know, we get overweight as we get older, we get sick, we get reliant on medication. I don't know, but there was just something in me goes, no, that's not right. I just, there's there's something I'm missing I'm the one that needs to do a bit of research here. I've got to find out what that is. And and I do clearly remember having that conscious choice. You know, I had a lot to live, you know. We've all got a lot to live for, but I had four little young ones and another one that was going to come and like I just, you know, I just don't get it. So, yeah, it led me down a search of just trying to find out what what I was doing wrong, you know, and it is not it was an innocent thing. And this is what I want people to see. I'm always in that space of, is it, it isn't your fault. You are doing what you have been told to do. You're doing the best you can at the level of awareness and with the information that you have. But if it's not working, you have to be the one to take responsibility of that for that and find different information and just change the way you're doing it. And I was fortunate enough to come across um, someone who told me about low-carb told me about it was, you know, sugar, not fat. You know, at 40, I was still under that illusion that fat was making me fat. So everything was low fat, but of course, everything was high carb and high sugar. And, you know, that was creating a brain that was very much dependent on continually eating, thinking about food all the time. You know, we all, I know many of your listeners, you know, been there and felt that. And it's just that almost like a powerlessness because our body well, my body was just not metabolically well and it was trying to get the nutrients. It just couldn't get it. So I guess the best thing that ever happened to me was the diagnosis. But then I had to I had to pluck up the courage to stop listening and believing, you know, what I had believed and go down a path of, of challenging that and finding new information and then putting it into practice. And that's very uncomfortable because I started to, you know, lower my carbs, reduce the sugars, eat more fat, eat more meats. And even today I still get, but but that's going to make you sick. And I'm like, well, no, because I'm actually healthy now and lean and I'm not insulin resistant. I've got no fat in my liver. But when I was doing what we all thought was healthy, I was getting all that. So we have to, you know, be honest and look at what we're doing. I think we, I think we try and it's cognitive dissonance in a lot of ways. And it is innocent. You know, we we don't really want to to look at what we're doing. We don't really want, want to change it. You know, it's very uncomfortable to do that. But I do think that aging or meta, poor metabolic health, being overweight, having no energy, being on a whole lot of medications, having all this stuff, I don't believe that is the normal path. I think it's a common path because of what most people are eating and the lifestyles that most of us are in in the modern world. But I think with a bit of effort and with a bit of courage, we can change that. And, uh, you know, I'm a testament to the fact that it doesn't have to be that way. I'm 10 years older now and I'm 
fitter and healthier than I was, you know, really 10 to 15 years ago. Amazing, amazing, Tracy. And we can definitely dive into all the common reasons, especially after the age of 40, especially for women, what leads to that weight gain around the tummy. But before I do that, what was your first step? Like you mentioned low carb, but how did you start it? Was it something simple as, right, I am going to increase my fats and take away sugar? Yeah, well, it wasn't even the fat first. I think it was actually just the sugar. I mean, I remember reading a book. <laughs> it was a client, a personal training client, had told me about a book by David Gillespie oh, called Sweet yeah. Poison. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Well, she sort of put that in my face and maybe a couple of years earlier and I'd gone, yeah, right, you know, hadn't even looked at it and dismissed it straight away because, no, we need sugar, we need you know, all of our brain needs that, you know, I was totally locked into my belief that we needed all of that to function. But it wasn't obviously when I got the diagnosis and, you know, I sort of came across that book again. So for me, it was the sugar first. I definitely started taking the sugar out. I mean, I probably went the long way around, you know, much longer than what I take my clients on now, but it was the sugar first that sort of got me to a certain point. And then it was the, you know, I started to understand, well, hang on a minute, you know, even bread and rice and pasta, all those things that we think are sugar-free are actually not, you know, once we eat them. And of course they metabolize as glucose in the body. So we started to look at changing that as well. My husband did it with me. So he was, he's 10 years older than me, didn't have the same health issues, but he was getting overweight. And he was a martial artist, you know, very fit, very active. And so we started doing this together, which was great. Yeah. And then really it was just a, a path of of continuing to experiment and continuing to explore. And, you know, I did want to do it all at once, but, you know, I couldn't because you're changing everything. You're changing the family as well. You're changing the kids, you're changing habits, you're changing the way you cook. It's big changes. And I think it's easier to do it in small steps. And that's how I did it. And just sort of, you know, listened to my body and kept getting blood tests and kept getting updates and how's it going. And obviously the weight did start to come off. The problem with me is I had number five, baby number five, and I did breastfeed him for about 19 months. And I found with my body, I just, I kind of just stabilized. I wasn't actively trying to lose weight then, but obviously I wanted to be healthy. So I was eating low carb there. I wasn't fasting, but I didn't lose the extra probably 15 kilos until I stopped breastfeeding him. And once I stopped breastfeeding, then all that sort of came off. So it's definitely been a journey, but I, I think, you know, I got to a certain point, but I had to also address it, you know, just this dependency that I had on drinking and the drinking led to, you know, ice cream. It was very much emotional, sort of just the way I had handled or learned to handle stress, but it was an everyday thing. And as we kind of do, we kind of ignore it and know there's a problem, but don't want to look for such a long time. And then, you know, when I was about 43, I was like, right, it's time to address that but I didn't have any answers like apart from just wanting it to change and of course we know willpower does nothing you know wake up every morning going I'm not going to do it today today's going to be the day you know but I never could five o'clock would hit and my mind well my mind had been going from hours before that looking at the clock waiting for five o'clock to hit so I could have a a glass of wine, you know, that was just never one glass. And then it was always the chocolate and the ice cream after that. It was the only way I knew to get through the day with young kids. I had no other resources and no other options available to me. I just couldn't see it. So yeah, let me on another journey to find some more answers and more puzzle pieces on how I could, you know, really overcome it. I had the knowledge. I knew it was damaging. I knew it was not good. I knew I wanted to stop, but I just couldn't stop. That's incredible. 
absolutely incredible Tracy because that's so inspiring because you had a really young family to look after so there's so many other responsibilities plus you also made the changes which is phenomenal it's just really phenomenal that you were so motivated that you didn't want to feel a certain way and that's why I'd love to come back to like what you said you had the knowledge you knew what to do so is it driven by feeling you do you want to feel different and how did you feel when you made those changes I think it was much more driven by shame oh wow to be honest like I I felt ashamed I felt ashamed that I knew what I knew and you know that I was doing what I was doing and I couldn't stop it And, you know, of course there was a, you know, I wanted to be a better mom. Like I would wake up feeling hungover every day. And of course, you know, I just wasn't able to be the best mom I knew I could be. How can I? I was tired just from being a mom, but of course had all that extra toxin, you know, and all that alcohol in my brain and my body. And I felt it every morning and it was just Groundhog Day. It was just, this is ridiculous. You know, that you, I think you just have to get to a point where enough's enough. And that's what I got too. I just, enough's enough. I've got to find the answers here. I've just got to find them. And that drive to do that, it hasn't stopped for me because what actually happened was I I started, I got qualified as a health coach. I did the certified Banting Coaches course. So I love low carb, you know, to me, it just makes so much sense. Yep. Love it. Wanted to bring it into my personal training so I could help my clients with food instead of telling them to eat a banana and a yogurt and all that stuff that I had been doing. So I did get qualified and, you know, I kind of, I had this other stuff going on, but I I was busy around it. You know, we kind of get busy around it. We kind of don't really want to, we don't know the answers. We can't really confront the issue. So we get busy doing all this other stuff. Um, I started coaching and obviously, you know, throwing this in, talking more with my personal training clients. And I realized that this was a common issue that, hey, it wasn't just me experiencing this. There was, to a degree, pretty much every single client I sat with had a problem with either eating processed foods, sugars, and or alcohol. Yeah. So, you know, what actually happened was I came across something called the three principles, which I do integrate into my coaching now. I call it insight-based coaching. It saved my life. It was the answers I was looking for. And what I did was I gathered a whole lot of my clients and people who were in my world together. And I said to them, look, found something here that's really helping me, I guess, take back control and, and really, you know, heal my mind and heal my body are you interested? Because I don't really know how to teach it. I don't really know if it's relevant to you or not, but will you just sit with me once a week and let me, and we can just discuss it. And of course I had about, I had about 20 women. They were all women at the time, but 20 who were really interested. And that's what we did. Wow. And when, let's, let's jump into the three principles because I love it. And I'm so inspired. Oh, it, it, it was life-changing for me as well. And funnily enough, I did interview the two therapists whose has psychology has it backwards. So it's in this season as well. And it's phenomenal. So Tracy, I'd love for you to explain like how did the three principles, which is mind, consciousness and thought work for you when it came to write? I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop sugar. How did that work for you? 
So I didn't find them first. So there was a stepping stone into that. So what I did uncover was a book called Brain Over Binge. And what I got from this book in one single sentence was that I didn't have to act on a thought and that everything I was doing (laughs) was a thought that I was acting on. And it's amazing how that changed the way I was looking at everything. Now, it didn't stop my drinking overnight, but what I started to see was that there was a thought that said five o'clock was okay to drink. There was a thought that said drinking was a an escape from, you know, uncomfortable feelings. There was a thought that says all this stuff that, you know, that I had been acting on so long that had become a habit, just like cleaning my teeth. So it it wasn't really a choice, but it was still coming from thinking within me. So that book started to really shift, um, you know, everything in terms of that. And from that book, I came across a lady called Dr. Amy Johnson, and she was my foray into the three principles. And that just opened up my world beyond unbelievable, you know, realm of, you can't even imagine it. It's like nothing outside of me has changed, but everything changed from within me. And the, everything I was looking at just changed because what I started to see, thanks to the three principles, which is an understanding of how we work, was that I wasn't broken. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. There were, I wasn't broken. There was nothing wrong with me. I didn't have to search for a fix. I needed to search for understanding. And I needed to understand that everything, you know, I'd said before I was doing because I didn't see I had a choice. It was the best thing I could do with what I knew. So what I had to do was create the space to have more awareness and insight and really understand how my experience of life was being created. So all those uncomfortable feelings that I was experiencing before I acted on my urge, of course, that is a consequence of an urge. That's what it's designed to do. Once we have this habit that's been created in the brain, well, brain doesn't give it up. It just continues to send out the signals to do it. But that's not who I am. You know, I'm not my uncomfortable feelings. I'm not, that's not me. That's not Tracy. I was able to have those experiences without actually being in them and without, you know, thinking that I had to act on them or I wasn't frightened by them anymore. I think the three principles, you know, that, you know, there's uh, Sydney Banks, who is, I guess, the the man who put form around this from an, you know, incredible insight that he had back in the 70s. I mean, there's so many very similar the theme of how we work, you know, comes across many principles and practices. But one quote that he says that I say a lot to my clients is, you know, if the only thing people understand is not to fear their own experience, that alone would change the world. It's something like that. And I think that's what happened. You know, we have these experiences. We don't understand where they're coming from, which is within us. We think it's coming from without it. It's coming from over there. It's coming from my kids. It's coming from my husband. It's coming from something else. We have these experiences within us. We fear them. We don't know what to do with them. And then we innocently create a whole lot of ritual to get rid of them. And that, for me, looked like drinking and, and eating or yelling or, you know, just being very reactive to my emotions because I didn't have any awareness that it wasn't who I, I was and I didn't know I didn't have to be in it all the time and I didn't have to fear it. So, yeah, I mean, and oh, I mean, I think for the rest of my life, I will look in that direction and know that there's always more to see, you know, my clients laugh, you know, with love, you know, when I go, when I pass on my gravestone's going to say, there's always more to see because that's what I know. I know that, you know, I'm not afraid of being in life and just having eyes that are beginner, I'm a beginner or that I haven't yet seen something. And 
you know, we learn this experience and of how we work, but we forget because we have a mind that is very busy and very loud and dominant. And we live in a world that's how, you know, it's always about drama and chaos and trauma. And to our mind, that looks like threats everywhere. Right. So, you know, I see that most of the time now. I don't get hooked in that a lot, but it take a long time for me to distance myself from that so that I could notice my mind when it was, you know, coming up with all this stuff. But I remembered who I was underneath all of that. That's the other beautiful gift of the three principles that, you know, we are spiritual beings having a human experience and who we are at our essence is love. And all those things we're searching for are within us. But all we have to do is step away from the busyness of our mind to feel that and to step into that. So, yeah, transformative. So inspiring. I can totally relate to that because it was that simple, just listening to your just one thought away of feeling something different. And Incredible, isn't it? Your thoughts and you're spot on because I often feel we can live quite robotic lives, quite automated. I see that a lot. You know, you might go to the supermarket, pick the same stuff, not not really check what you're eating, or you've just eaten that type of food for years and haven't really thought about changing. And when you wake up, get into the car, go to work, it's very automated, mm-hmm. and we're just relying on this automated thought process as well. So. This is actually much more conscious living and going, hold on a sec, that's a thought that I've just created, another story that I've created. What happens if I change that story? And it's so powerful. How long did it take you to, do you you drink now, Tracy, or not at all? I don't. Yeah. No, but I did try and moderate it for a while. So I, I did get to a point where I believe that in certain situations that I needed a drink that it was okay for me to drink. So I did stop drinking every night, but on a Friday night, I would still have a drink. Or when we went out for, you know, if it was a celebration or if we went over to someone's house or to family, because everyone drinks, right? So there was still a bit of a deep belief that I needed to do to do that. But I think what that did was, you know, it kept me locked, I suppose, in having to kind of, you know, navigate that thinking a lot because after I would have a drink, you know, I I call it like gremlins, you know, the gremlins kind of woke up and I found myself over the next few days looking for it. And yeah, it was probably only maybe a year ago that I had my last drink and, and I haven't had one since. And I'm very, you know, that's made that choice to not drink now. And I am very comfortable with that. And I just love that I can go anywhere and, you know, alcohol doesn't even come into my mind anymore. Amazing. And how much was alcohol a contributor to weight? Did you see that significant difference when you came? Well, I did lose a bit of weight and I did sort of the health side of it did seem to reverse or seem to get back to an okay spot while I was still drinking. But I wouldn't, you know, I I would drink every day, but sometimes it might be two glasses, sometimes it'd be a bottle. And I think because I was still exercising and I'd I'd taken a lot of the sugar out apart from the bit that I would have after. I don't know. I think it's a combination. I do do know that I, I certainly didn't hit my stride until, you know, I really sort of overcame and took it out most of the time. You know, now I look at it and I think, you know, it's so it's so innocent. We, you know, we have these deep beliefs that we need these things, you know, particularly with sugar, right? You know, that was that was the first addictive substance that I would have been given, you know, to feel better. Not that my, you know, nothing to do with my mom, but it's just, you know, every time you feel an emotion you didn't like, it was shoved chocolate, yes. you know. So, of course, we create these pathways, right, where we think we need it. 
<clears throat> so it just takes a while. It just takes a while to unlayer it at different levels. And yeah, I, I, I'd hate to think where I would be if, you know, I had a body that kind of hadn't, it hadn't been picked up. Like so many people with type 2 diabetes, it's not picked up until way too late, but I'm grateful for it. I think it's a combination of everything. I do think the biggest the biggest impact for me has been in just the mind, in understanding how we work and how my where my experience has come from. That's really transformed everything. And I feel like now that there's nothing outside of me that has any power over me anymore. It's it's you know you know I've anchored. I know who I am. I'm I'm anchored within. Doesn't mean that I don't experience stress and I don't experience uncomfortable situations. I've got five kids. You know they come in with lots of different things. But I trust myself and I know that when I am centered, when I'm in the present moment, I will always know how to handle it. Whereas I never, ever, ever knew that before mm. I started to explore this. That's incredible. And how long did it actually take you to lose the 15 kilos? Uh, I was probably between 43 and 44. So a few years. A few years. And that's what I really want to get across. <laughs> I see so many people, I want to lose it in six weeks. I want to lose it in 12 weeks. And all of this takes time. What do you say to that, Tracy? I say you'd have to, you've got to free yourself from that illusion. It just doesn't work like that. You know, it does take time. And you, honey, you need to really challenge the weight loss. I mean, we know weight gain and weight loss is a, is a, is a consequence of health, right? But we're pushed to lose weight at all costs because we think that we it makes us more acceptable or more worthy or we're going to get better things or someone's going to love us. I think we got to look at all that stuff and look at the reasons why. But weight loss is never, as far as I've seen it anyway, you know, anything quick comes back on and it's not about healing. We want to look at healing and I get all, all my clients. The weight loss will take care of itself. Will it get to a point where you were at 20? Probably not. You know, you got to release yourself mm. of that and focus on the health. You want your body to be metabolically well. You want your brain to show up for you. You want to have the energy to get through your day. And you want to focus on keeping your muscle, which we know declines from 40 onwards. So if you do those things consistently, the weight loss will happen at its own pace. <laughs> it's not your pace. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think once you get around that, you start enjoying the process. And exactly yes. what you said, you go, wow, I feel good. I've got more energy. I'm doing more things rather than focusing on the numbers on the scales, which really, you know, make, you know, quite, can feel quite deflated. If that's yep. the focus, it's really important to shift that focus as well. Now, before I get onto my last question, I love for you to share any advice. So one of my patients is looking to lose weight and she's acknowledged the alcohol intake. However, mm -hmm. her partner drinks a lot. And so what happens in the evenings, he tops up her glasses and, you know, goes to the local pub. And if she doesn't go, she doesn't really see him. And so she's living in an environment that is influencing her decisions. How does she take back control? Yeah, well, that's a big one. All these are opportunities for you to step into your own life and to start making choices that are for you. I work with a lot of clients that are that a very similar situation. We need to focus on ourselves at some point. We are making choices, but we're not making the choices that are right for us. And I get it because there's a fear of what our partner might think. There's a fear of our relationship might unravel. There's a whole lot of fear, but 
there's also a whole lot of possibilities unknown that your mind's trying to navigate around, you know, making a different decision that you can't possibly know until you do. But at the end of the day, you have to be the one responsible for your choices that you make. And I just think these are incredible opportunities to sit down and have a conversation with your partner or with, you know, whoever it is that looks like you've decided to make a different choice. And these are the reasons why. Now, if you love this person, what I encourage my clients to do is to expect them to be a little bit confronted by that. So people kind of know us by who we are and, you know, all the behaviors that we've got, they've got an image of us in their mind. When we change that, they will be confronted by potentially, oh, well, what you're saying, you're saying I shouldn't be doing that too. It makes it about them. You know, they get a bit uncomfortable. They might be reactive. They might be upset about it. They might not, but be prepared that they might be. But I think you, if you love them, you just have to hold the space. I say hold the space for your partner to come to terms with you making different choices. If you make your choices and you can't push your choices onto them, you have to free them to make theirs. So he might for a little while still go to the pub, but then in, if you don't pressure him, if you don't put your your any expectation on him, he may turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to stay home with you. And, you know, it's about embracing who you are, stepping into who you are, making your choices for you, but allowing other people around you to make their choices as well. We cannot change anyone. We can only love them as who they are, but leave the space open for them to come to, you know, their own decisions for themselves. And you never know, your mind's going to try and navigate what that risk might be. But you know what? You know what the risk is if you don't change, right? And, you know, your health is so fundamentally so, so important. So if it's something that you change, you've just got to find the courage. And when I say find the courage, I actually mean change and act differently The courage comes after. You're not going to, don't sit around waiting for courage to act differently. It's not going to come. You really just have to step into, okay, I'm going to make a different choice today. Yeah. And then the courage comes, you know, every time you do that. But we, we really just have to, we have to be true to who we are. And sometimes that looks like changing and making a different choice, but we're not responsible how other people react to that. We just have to hold the space with love and, you know, it'll be as it is. It's it's no guarantees, right, that it'll work out. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, if we don't stand true to who we are, we do regret it. It's important to, to be true to us. Beautiful answer, Tracy. Now, before I let you go, I'd love to know, and I'm sure my listeners are really curious, you wear so many hats, (laughs) quite a phenomenal. How do you manage those stress levels? What do you do? I love this question. I'm so glad you've asked me, Shami, because this has been the biggest insights or the biggest awareness I've had in that I now navigate my day by being as present as I can. My goal in every day is to be present because I know when I'm not present, I am not focused on reality. I'm not focused on what's in front of me. My mind is gone to the past or trying to navigate the future. And that is exhausting. So I get through my day by showing up to it and I'm present with you. I'm present with my clients. I'm present with my kids. Wherever I am, I make sure my mind is there too. It doesn't always want to be, but I can choose to let that go. I don't have to focus in on that. All I have to do is focus on now. And of course, I know that I'm enough and I know that I've got nothing to prove. 
and that all I have to do is show up to my day from a place of love as often as I can and it'll just play out in how it does. The presence is the biggest gift that you can give anyone. When I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids. When I'm with my client, I'm with my client. But I have very clear boundaries on, you know, on, I don't know, just if someone wants to come into that, I will, I'll be the one to to decide, you know, if that's going to take me away from where I am. But that presence, see, that's getting out of the head and getting into your day. One of my three principles teachers, one of his quotes is, you're either in your head or you're in your day. I love that. I love it. We're so in our head. It's unbelievable. Just getting caught up. It's so, so true. It's so true. And that's what I think exhausts people so much, you know, and there's always, there's two, you've got to look at, I have clients that, you know, that is perpetual having to do all the time. Why? You know, I've challenged so much of the things that I thought I had to get done in every day. And largely it's this mundane, you know, housework that's always there for me. But my level of my expectations around that, I've dropped that so much. And, you know, I've released myself from getting it done at a certain time. It gets done when I see to do it and when I get it done. And other than that, I don't think about it. So true. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tracy. Before we let you go, where can people find you? Uh, just on my website, tracymcbeath.com.au. I have individual coaching, group coaching. I do workshops. I do masterclasses. I do a few things, but everything is on my website. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take-home message today? Remember, it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit the Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au for more resources on how to de-stress, re-energize and reclaim your health. Enjoy the journey.